we're starting to see very, very disturbing racial and demographic data on exactly who is really being impacted by the coronavirus pandemic, particularly here in the United States. Today, I'll do a little bit to break down that demographic data, but I'm seeing something else that really concerns me. What we're seeing now that the data shows that African-Americans are disproportionately being impacted by the virus, we're starting to see other groups act as if they really don't care. We're seeing it right now, today, at this very moment in Wisconsin as they forced the primaries and elections to continue anyway. Let me explain what I mean. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. We, as you already know, you're living through it. We are in the middle of a global pandemic where at least 1.3 million people have contracted the coronavirus. That's how many people have been tested positive for it. The world economy has come to a standstill. Hundreds of millions of people around the world have lost their jobs. And now nearly 100,000 people have died. That, of course, is enough to say if we have any primaries or elections this month, at least this month, let's delay them. But now that we're getting the demographic data on who's being impacted the most by the coronavirus in the United States, the insistence from white conservatives in Wisconsin that the elections continue anyway is starting to make perfect sense to me. See, in America's largest cities, where racial, economic, and demographic data on who exactly is contracting the coronavirus and dying from it, where that data exists, we're learning a lesson that many of us saw coming from a mile away. It's ravaging black communities. African Americans represent just 32% of the population in Louisiana, but over 70% of the deaths there. Black folk represent just 29% of the population in Chicago, but over 70% of the deaths there. In Michigan, African Americans represent just 14% of the population, but over 40% of the deaths. The same data is holding true in Philadelphia. And I don't know if the disparity is as bad anywhere as it is right now in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. African Americans represent just 26% of the population, but over 81% of the coronavirus deaths. It's staggering. And as this data becomes mainstream, what I believe is going to happen is that we're going to see conservative white Americans care less and less about this pandemic. Before this demographic data was even out, we saw some states with Republican governors like Ohio and Georgia at least reschedule their primaries. But now that we see precisely who's paying the biggest price, now that we know the racial data, I sincerely think we're going to see conservative white Americans check out emotionally. Virtually every public health official and every mayor in Wisconsin begged the state to postpone their elections today. All over the state, dozens of mayors and officials said, listen, We don't want to stop it. We just want to reschedule it maybe for 
two weeks or three weeks. We just want to make it where people can vote by mail. The governor there in Wisconsin, a Democrat, finally issued a late emergency executive order rescheduling the elections and making vote by mail super easy. But the conservative legislature and the conservative state Supreme Court each voted to overturn his decisions, forcing the elections to happen there today, right now anyway. Right now I'm looking at it as I speak at long lines all over the state. It's dangerous. It's not even that elections are going to continue as usual. It's worse than that. Hundreds of polling locations have been closed all over Wisconsin. And instead of each location having smaller crowds, only a tiny percentage of locations are going to be open, forcing a bottleneck of long lines, particularly in Milwaukee. Listen, Milwaukee normally has 180 voting locations. Today, they'll only have five. And here's what I know, and here's what you know. If these numbers were reversed, and white folk in rural and suburban Wisconsin were the main ones dying, the conservative state legislature there would have rescheduled the damn elections, no questions asked. And they would have been right to do so. And they should have done so. But I am deeply, deeply concerned about what comes next across this country now that we learn who this virus is hitting the hardest. Listen, we have a new ad from a brand new sponsor. And then I'll be up to talk to you about children and young people who are currently in jails all over this country. I'll be right back. Hey, everybody, right now, as you already know, it's not just millions. It's actually billions of us who are stuck at home. And I don't want you to get too complacent. You have to move around. You have to be active. And here's the thing. There are brilliant programs online right now that you can use, including Beachbody On Demand. And we have a brilliant, generous free trial for all listeners of The Breakdown. It's the easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to over 1,300 super effective workouts. They're suited for anybody at any time. And here's the thing. Here's what I know. The secret to getting results is getting started. I want you to give it a try right now. Figure out what works for you. So many of my friends are using all the different programs they have at Beachbody On Demand. Not just things like P90X, but there's a brilliant program called Morning Meltdown and so many people are loving it. Right now, I'd love for all of our listeners to get in shape together. And right now, listeners of The Breakdown get a special free trial membership when you text the word, just one word, BREAKDOWN, to 303030. You'll get full access to the entire platform for free, all the workouts, all the nutrition information and support, totally free. Right now, all you have to do is text the word, one word, breakdown to 30 30 30 give it a shot y'all it's the breakdown the breakdown the breakdown the breakdown the breakdown break it down now my heart is breaking as we continue to get some of the worst stories in the country of men and women who are being infected with the coronavirus who are currently incarcerated And it's not just heartbreaking because they're incarcerated, but it's because 
they really don't have a chance to avoid it. Uh, they are not able to practice social distancing, many of them. And uh, you may have seen jailhouse videos that people have tried to smuggle to the outside, showing you where healthy men and women are often being jailed with people and, and put in cells with people who've been diagnosed with the coronavirus. And it's spreading like wildfire all over America's jails and prisons. And what's doubly frightening about it is, as you already know, we are the most incarcerated nation, not only in the world, but we're the most incarcerated nation in the entire history of the world. And so when the coronavirus begins to impact our jails and prisons, it's going to impact more people than it could in jails and prisons anywhere else in the world. We not only imprison a higher percentage of our citizens, but we have the highest number of total people incarcerated as well. And it's all over the country, not just in New York, but absolutely it's hitting hard at Rikers, but it's hitting hard in jails and prisons, local jails, state jails and prisons, federal prisons all over the country. And people are starting to die in the fear not just for the individual men, women, and children that I want to talk about today in just a moment. It's not just impacting them, but it's impacting the staff who are also beginning to die and contract the virus. And those staff members then go out into society. America's jails and prisons are becoming basically epicenters, hotspots of the coronavirus And our cities and states can never get healthy as long as it continues to be present in these jails and prisons. And there's one group of people. We've talked here about incarcerated people at Rikers. We've talked about immigrants in detention centers. But there's one group of people that we have not talked about. We have to protect our incarcerated children during coronavirus. And it Breaks my heart to even have to put those two words together, incarcerated children. Right now, at least 45,000 children are locked up in juvenile facilities all over the United States. And nearly 60% of these young people are incarcerated for non-person offenses. These are just technical, non-violent, non-victim offenses. Nearly 10,000 young people are being held pre-trial, which means they haven't even been found guilty of anything. And over 8,000 young people, listen, are being held for status offenses. These are things that wouldn't be a crime if they were adults or just technical violations of parole or probation. And what we are calling on cities, mayors, city councils, states, governors, state legislatures, and the federal government, from Attorney General Barr and President Trump and others. And listen, I know Attorney General Barr and Trump, for for 99% of you who are listening, we don't see them as our friends, but they still have massive influence and supervision over these systems and structures. Now, most young people are not in jail or prison on a federal level. They're in jail or prison on the local level. But the president, the attorney general, state attorney generals, governors, mayors, uh, uh, district attorneys, they all have a major impact on this. And as the coronavirus spreads, 
detention of children in jails and prisons proves itself to be among the worst ideas we could ever have. On this past Friday, in a report from the Justice Collaborative Institute and Data for Progress, we start to learn that there is massive bipartisan support for serious intervention for incarcerated young people. Like all detained people, children in juvenile detention live under conditions that make it impossible to comply with the public health guidance, be it social distancing or rigorous hygienic practices. Just like adults in jails and prisons, they often don't have soap. They never have uh, Clorox wipes. They never have hand sanitizer at all. But children are especially vulnerable to the collateral consequences of being locked down during a pandemic. According to the report's author, Samantha Buckingham, who is the director of the Juvenile Justice Clinic at a law school in Los Angeles, she said, we are on the verge of a humanitarian disaster if we do not quickly release America's children from detention. It's not just the risk, this is her quote, it's not just the risk of infection, which is a mortal threat for anyone confined in juvenile halls, prisons, and camps, but it's the trauma of isolation as well as the loss of both education and treatment. She went on to say, keeping kids in detention is doing irreparable harm to our youth, many of whom could safely be living with their families, their caregivers, and their communities. And she concludes, detaining kids under these circumstances will also have negative public safety outcomes in the long run. And so many people signed on to this report, and the polling shows that 60% of likely voters support releasing young people whose sentences end within the next six months. Just go ahead and release them. They're going to get out in six months. Release them to their families. 54% of Republicans support that. 58% of voters prefer early release to solitary confinement conditions that are often being imposed on kids during a pandemic, including 50% of Republicans. This is from a survey of 2,000 likely voters. And so here are the recommendations, and we'll close with this. The National Juvenile Defender Center calls upon all decision makers in the juvenile legal system, including law enforcement, prosecutors, judges, public defenders, probation and parole officers, and detention and commitment facility administrators, as well as governors, state lawmakers, and others to act immediately on the following six things. And I want to break these down for you. Break it down. Here are the things that the National Juvenile Defender Center is asking that we do. Please, number one, stop the influx of new cases into the juvenile court system. Law enforcement officers should not be detaining any children unless serious physical harm has been caused to another person. In all other situations, children should be cited and called to court after the coronavirus pandemic has been resolved. Number two, release from detention facilities all children who can safely return home to their families or caregivers. Young people should be home with their families or in a safe, home-like setting with caregivers, and they should be receiving free, community-based, COVID-19 compliance support and services as necessary. Number three, 
released from secure commitment facilities, all young people who were either committed for status, misdemeanor, or nonviolent felony offenses, or for technical and parole and probation violations. Also release young people who have a pending release date in the next 180 days. Just let them go. Young people who are on track to complete their term of commitment in the near future should be released immediately. Number four, for young people on supervision, eliminate in-person contact with probation or parole staff and service providers. Check-ins and services should be eliminated where possible and provided electronically as needed with the understanding that some young people may not have internet and other technology at their homes. Number five, the COVID-19 pandemic has also abruptly, severely impacted the nation's economy. In light of these economic changes and what may be a looming recession, the National Juvenile Defender Center also calls upon the juvenile legal system professionals and policymakers to immediately do the following. Cancel all costs and fees imposed on young people and their families by the juvenile legal system. As states and communities close non-essential businesses and instruct people to remain at home, lower-income families are particularly being impacted financially by this, and we have to remove the fees on parents and children from this system of mass incarceration. God is painful to know that tens of thousands of young people are incarcerated right now and are dealing with this from behind bars, behind lockup scenarios. Our cities, our states, our counties, our country has to do so much better. Break it down. The break, 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 the break